James chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we talked about the difference between trials and temptations and also how temptation happens. And now James does a transition verse in verse 16. Some commentators talk about it as it went with the previous section and some say it goes with the next section. But I want to share with you that this verse could be a standalone verse as well. And the verse is simply, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. There's a reason James wrote that. It's because deception happens easily. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we read that the enemy, the devil, the adversary is prowling, roaring, looking for someone that he might devour. Our enemy is the devil, and he's like a roaring lion, isn't he? Now, I say that because we often dismiss the adversary. And sometimes we dismiss the fact that deception is easily found in this world. I've been reading in a a book about how some folks understand that Christians aren't much different than non-Christians in the way they behave. And that is because the transformation of Jesus Christ hasn't been allowed to settle in to the emotional, spiritual, and mental level at a heart of a believer. When that transformation happens, everything gets recreated. And until it does, we still live like we did in the world uh, before Christ. That transformation has to happen, but it happens by the power of the Holy Spirit in complete and total submission of all ourselves all of ourself, if you will, to Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. We get those nudgings and we don't listen to them. But when we don't get that transformation inside and that healing that we've been talking about for so long here, it's because we have been resistant to the work of God. We've been resistant to the move of the Holy Spirit or we've allowed our preconceived notions to determine how we should react with people and respond rather than the love of God which should compel us in all relationships. doesn't always do that. You can see that when folks don't give the benefit of the doubt or, or become angry and act before finding out what's going on or they sin repeatedly and don't ask God for help. Those are things that the world does and we should be being transformed by the renewing of our mind. James says, do not be deceived. He's also had talked about sin and temptation in the previous verses. 
we have the capacity, the capability, if you will, the capacity to sin. Did you know you could sin? Did you know you have that ability? Did you know that sometimes you do it and you don't even know you're doing it? Sometimes you're doing it and you can't stop yourself. Or something feels uh, out of control inside. Or you just don't feel connected to God. Whatever that thing is, is a deception that we haven't allowed God to settle in deep inside of us. Now, I promise you this. Most of our relationships are mirrors of previous relationships. Now, what I mean by that is, for example, your parents might have said something to you and it kind of became ingrained as this is how things work. They might have said, um, girls don't get angry and big boys don't cry. I'd heard the big boys don't cry thing, but I recently heard the girls don't get angry thing. I'd never heard that one, but apparently that one was hand in hand with, I guess because I was a boy, you know, they didn't say the other one to me. But I, that is a statement that says if, if men who were once boys don't cry and they have all this stuffed pain inside, then what are they going to do with it? Right? So if you're angry at someone, how do you respond? The same way you did when you were little. Because you haven't grown in those areas. Or if you hurt as a man, and you, or well, as a woman too, but, it, but you've been taught not to show that, that you don't cry and grieve because it makes you look weak, then in any other situation that comes along where there's even something remotely looks like that, you're going to be saying, I can't show that emotion, so I'll stuff it down inside. So here's what happens. Every now and then that stuff leaks out because it's too full. You don't have any more room to stuff it. It either comes out as, as a disease, a sickness, a cancer, or, or you, you leak anger and you're not even angry at the person you're talking to, but you're just leaking the anger and the pain that goes with it. No, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. I'll take it a little closer to home. Suppose you're driving down the road one day and someone in front of you um, does something stupid, like they hit their brakes and turn without their blinker, and you go, well, what's up with that? You forgot your blinker. You probably don't get upset at that. But the next person in front of you does the same thing. Or someone pulls out in front of you and hasn't seen you and almost causes a wreck. Or someone swerves and tries to take your parking spot or something, and it's like the tenth person. The first five, six, seven didn't get your anger, but the last dude got all of it. Because it all leaked out. Amen. <coughs> That's what I'm saying. Is This stuff inside of you is more than that. Than just a, a short drive down the road. It's been in there for years. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't get an opportunity to work inside of you to bring healing and restoration of your emotional self and your way you think about them and your feelings and how you understand what those things are for, you're walking in a deception. Because you begin to blame everything else on why you do what you do. Well, I did it because I was mad. Scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. Amen. Well, they made me do it. No one can do that unless you're a puppet on a string like a marionette. 
I can't make you happy and I also can't make you sad, but I can sure do some things that might make you not like me. <laughs> or that might make you like me, but it's still not going to make you. You make the choice. Our choices are what we say, do, and think throughout a day. Nobody else is making us do that. Now you might say, well, duh. But we still blame others for what we do. He cut me off. That's why I was mad. It was his fault. No, you chose to be angry rather than forgiving. What? Forgive? No, no, this guy was rude. Can't do that. He's, he's, he did it intentional. <laughs> Therefore, it's not forgivable. <laughs> you ever said that one? Oh, no, no, you wouldn't say that one. No, that would be unchristian, right? Of course we say things like that. But James is trying to tell us that we are deceived if we are not acting in love. In every situation, and here's the problem, and almost every person I work with has this struggle. Tomorrow morning, or when you go home today, but tomorrow morning when you have uh, been into the bathroom, most bathrooms have a vanity. I think they call it a vanity because there's a mirror in front of you. And some people go, I'm not vain. That's that person there is not pretty. That morning face, I need more beauty sleep. Or whatever, right? But what do you do when you look in the mirror at yourself? Do you go, hey, wow, man, you look sharp. Man, you're one handsome person. I like your eyes. Or do you go, now I don't want to look at you. Are you a friend with the person in your reflection in the mirror? And a lot of us will say, I don't know how to be, or I'm trying, or I didn't even know I was supposed to. I didn't know I was supposed to have a conversation with that person. People say you shouldn't talk to yourself. So I shouldn't do that. That's something that somebody else says. It's not what God says. God says you love others as, or in the same way, you love the person in the mirror. You're going to give the same grace to the others that you give the person in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not. So if you don't like something about yourself, you're probably going to see it in the other person and not like it in them. Or, if the compassion of God has transformed you, you're going to offer them grace because you know what it feels like to live with that. The question is, can you offer yourself the same grace? And remember, James is saying, don't be deceived. Another way of Scripture says it is that what you sow, you will reap. That which you're reaping is what you sowed. Whether or not you had it sown by your choice in your life, by what other people have taught you, it's still coming out. The fact of the matter is in marriage relationships, if you write down how your parents were in relationship with each other, and then you begin to say, well, do I act like my parents in my marriage? Or in this relationship? And the answer, almost invariably, until you've done some deeper transformation work, is yeah. My current relationship looks like the one that was modeled for me when I was younger. Even though you might have told yourself, I'm never going to act like my parents. I'm never going to say that. Do you know how many times my mother said, do as I say, not as I do? Yes. Or, uh, um, I don't care whether or not you understand it, you're going to do what I say. 
My dad used to say, quit your crying or I'll give you something to cry about. All these are favorite cliches that we hated. Or sit in the car and be quiet. Stop distracting the driver. You know, we, we heard all these things, right? And as we grow up, we, we carry those in and, and we don't question whether or not they're godly. We just live with them. But when we bring every thought into captivity of Jesus Christ, the deception of the faulty thinking will stop. And it almost sounds like, man, i got to be that diligent. You don't have to be that diligent. Once you do the inner work of God's transformative healing, He will help what you say be reflective of who He is, not of what you learned. And you go, wow, that's pretty amazing. That, that God could actually transform the way I relate without me having to think every second about what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't think before you speak. I'm saying think twice before you speak. Right? So, what I'm trying to get at is this deception that we're under is that we don't have to do anything once we get in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That we don't have to change. We don't have to grow. We don't have to do work. We don't have to study the Scriptures and pray and ask God to continue the work that He began in us until He's completed it. That we think we don't have to do that. It is sometimes a lot of time spent with God. A lot of folks are going, I don't know if I signed up for all that. Well, did you sign up for a relationship with somebody you love? Or is it a burden to be with Jesus? Is it a joy to have that transformation happen to you? Or would you rather be stuck in deception? This is what James is talking about. You say, well, how's that possible? Because the very next verse he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Oh, okay. I think I understand that the gifts that are given by in my life are from God. But, I think when we use the word gift, most of the time we're thinking physical. Practical. A beautiful day was a gift from God. Uh, someone gave a, a, a nice way when you were feeling lousy or said, how are you doing? And gave you the time of day for a while. And, and that gift, you know, that's from God, right? We can go there. But what about the gift of a transformed life? God has given you the Holy Spirit. He has given you Jesus Christ to transform the world through you. I don't know about you, but the transformation of the world through me almost seems scary. Why would we not say, you're going to use me, God? I'm in! I can't believe you'd use me after all I've been and done. But most folks go, well, God, you could use me, but you know, I'm busy. <laughs> or, yes, of course you're going to use me, God, because I'm the kind of person you need to use. I don't know what your mindset is there, but the deception is to think that your life is yours. Every breath you take is a gift from God. Someone once said, and I don't know the accuracy of it because we don't know exactly how the name of God is pronounced, but when we inhale and then exhale, someone once said that that is the name of God. The inhale, exhale is Yahweh. Yahweh. That's how a breath sounds. 
is the name of God. And you say, well, that's plausible, but let me get a little deeper with you. When God gave Adam life, He breathed Himself, His life into Adam. He breathed His name. He breathed Himself. And Adam became a living being. So if the Holy Spirit is in you and every breath is from God, then isn't every breath a praise back of thanks? Isn't every moment your heart beats a gift from God? Isn't every new day from God for you? It is not yours. It's God's. He's letting you use it. Do you live like you own it? You do until the day you can't hardly take another breath. And then you're thankful for another minute. There's some people who are very scared right now that they may not have many more days left. I think of Jackie. And we think, you know, at that point we realize, you know, if I had taken better care of myself, if I had done all the things I was supposed to, you know, if God will just give me one more day, I'll, I'll, I'll do different. And we look back in those moments and say, I wish I could have. I wish I would have. Instead of this day saying, God, where am I deceived in my life with You? Where am I missing the mark and missing the gift of this moment? There are some times when in your life you're not thankful for the moment you're experiencing. I can remember a few when my depression was really, really bad. And you'll be in a place where it's so dark and desperate that any way out is better than being in it. But since then, I've learned that even those moments were a gift. They were a gift from God. And it's hard to say, well, how can that dark place be a gift? It's because it shows me I didn't choose that kind of life. I didn't prescribe this day for me. God did, and He has something to show me. He has something to teach me. And until I learn it, that whatever is causing that remains. Until you get rid of the root, the fruit grows. And God is trying to dig deeper with the Holy Spirit into us to say, stop the deception. The gift I have for you, which you're not accepting, is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And eternal life, says Jesus in John 17, is to know Me and to know My Father. That's eternal life. And we go, how can knowing somebody be eternal life? It's because the intimacy of the relationship means you are connected with Him and know Him intimately, not just as an idea or someone who should usher you into the kingdom one day, but a friend closer than a brother. The gifts God gives are good. They're very, very good. God's not angry at you. He's not holding out. He's not withholding love. He's not withholding His care and compassion from you. In everything God does, He is love. He cannot be but what He is, and He is love. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you have hope to seek Me. He's not going to go one day, oh, you, you, you messed up, I'm no longer going to love you. God doesn't act on your behavior. You act on other people's behavior because you haven't learned how God is yet inside. Oh, did I just say something that stepped on your toes? I'll say it a little differently. If you blame others for your 
actions, you are not yet matured in Jesus Christ. Amen. Is that a little simpler, easier way to say that? Mm-hmm. Now, I got to tell you, in the rest of verse 17, he says, that these gifts come down from the Father of lights. Now, lights, stars, sun, moon. God is the one who created all of those. That's what that means. And with Him, there is no variation or shadow of turning. And I really, really love this verse. God has not changed and will not change. If He says, I am the Lord and I love you, that's not going to be a different statement tomorrow. Truly. He even says, I chose you. I loved you so much, I sent my only Son. I chose you as my beloved. We did not choose God. He chose us. We go, well, I accept that Jesus is my Savior. No, you did not. Jesus accepted you as your, His brother and sister. And all you can do is say, thank you. You didn't have anything to do with it except for accept the fact that He did it for you and enter into the relationship He established. Do not be deceived and think you caused that. There's nothing you could do to get to Him. We were all isolated from God and the family of faith. And so, what we see then is when God is like light, and if you imagine, if you will, our sun is very, very bright, yet sometimes it gets dark outside. Usually it's because the world is spun and its back is to the light. But there's always a part of the world facing it. But when our back side of the world is to the sun, our side is to the dark. Now, does that mean the sun is no longer shining? Well, don't we say the sun's not out? (laughs) The sun's not shining. Yes, it is. It always has been since this world has been here as much as we know. But sometimes on this earth, you'll put your hand out and you'll see a shadow below it. Is it because the sun is not shining that there's a shadow there? Or is it because there's something between the sun and that which is in the shadow? God has poured out perfect gifts upon us. And we say, but sometimes my life seems dark and shadowy. That's because there's something between you and God. And His light is being blocked in your life. And sometimes it's of our own inner junk. This morning if you say, I don't have anything to work on for Jesus. I'm doing pretty good. You are walking in deception. Amen. Until the day you die, God will be working on your inner character. On your inner heart. And the way you think. And the way you relate. Till the day you die. He will continue to be transforming you. And that's good news. Then you say, why is that good news? You didn't say that, but I hope you thought that. In 18, he says, his, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, which is Jesus Christ, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. 
God has renewed us in Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's really neat. And, and, and this, this is kind of something I've been working on in my own life. And I think you're going to like this. Because it took some deception out of my own life. The Bible says God sees you as holy and righteous in Jesus Christ without sin. He sees you as perfect in Christ. And when God looks upon you, He says, there's my perfect saint. And when we uh, think about ourselves, or when I think about myself, I'll save you from my own thinking, let you have your own. I go, oh, uh, I don't know that I'm so righteous. I don't know that I'm so holy. I can see all sorts of things in my life and point out where I've made mistakes, lift up. And so, you know, I don't think that I'm very righteous. Or I don't think I'm very holy. Or I'm so far from God's holiness that, that even saying that sounds funny to me. Some people even say this, I don't even know how to be holy or righteous. So how can God see me that way? And how can God say He loves me when I see all my failings and shortcomings and unworthiness? And this is what we, we say. We throw that up there in front of God, right? We say, God, I'm so unrighteous. And God goes, you're my righteousness in Jesus Christ. And I'm going, no, 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 no God, look, look what I'm doing here. And, and we miss it. We miss it so bad. Because we keep putting our perspective of us in front of God's. God sees you that way. God sees you as loving, lovable, holy, righteous, without fault, spotless in His Son Jesus Christ, and worthy of His affections and love and place in His kingdom. And God sees you that way. When you look in the mirror and you look at yourself, you don't see yourself that way. You disagree with God. And that part of you which disagrees with God is a part that's under deception. It's the part where you've got to bring to God at the altar and say, God, this part of me doesn't see you or me like you do. Whatever's causing it, get rid of it. Cut it out by surgery, but if it doesn't look like you, doesn't act like you, doesn't feel like you want me to feel, do the work and help me get rid of it. Hmm. I don't know, God. That's kind of tough. Because what if it doesn't work? That's the big one, isn't it? The doubt. What if, it, what if it's not really true about me? What if this, what if this Bible is just a bunch of words? Listen carefully. You'd be the first one in history that God failed. And God doesn't change. He's never failed. He's never stopped loving you. He's never stopped caring about you and trying to get you to do the same so you can learn to extend His love and compassion to the world around you that doesn't understand. The people of Jesus Christ should look different and talk different than the other folks because they love different. They love without regard. They love because they love. Don't need a reason. There is no I love you because. It's I love you. That's what God says. I love you. I love you. I will love you tomorrow. I loved you yesterday. Jesus Christ, you flip your, 
um, may have to slip your page over one from the passage we're on. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves you. Do not be deceived. He wants to give you the good gifts of life and hope and the Holy Spirit and inner transformation. Do not be deceived. The temptation you face is common, but He can bring you through that and through the trials to the place where He wants you to be. Why? Because as verse 18 says, that you would be a first fruit. And uh, I'm going to sum this up by telling you what that means. A first fruit is what comes as the first harvest, the first picking of the harvest. Don't miss this. In Genesis, Cain and Abel had first fruits. And Abel brought forth the best and the first and laid it before God's feet. Cain took some afterthought stuff and brought it to God and God rejected Cain's. Which is why Cain murdered Abel. That's been going on ever since. But as a first fruit, you are what Jesus has harvested first by the power of the Holy Spirit. And He's saying, Heavenly Father, this is for You. I lay it at Your feet. The only difference between us and a crop of agriculture is that doesn't have a choice of where the farmer puts it. You do. And as a first fruit of Jesus Christ, He wants to lay you at the feet of God and say, this is my offering. This is my beautiful gift to you of what you've given me. Remember Jesus said, the Father's given me all things. As a first fruit, He's given it back to His Father. And as a first fruit, you are His gift to the Father. You are the gift of Christ to His Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for blessing me with this one. It's yours. Now the question is, do you want to be a gift to the Father from Jesus Christ? Do you want to be that first fruit? Or would you rather... If you're not a first fruit, you're a non-fruit. Which means you'll be burnt up like the chaff. Now, I'm not trying to tell you this, this or this. I'm telling you that when the Holy Spirit works in you, He presents you to the Father as clean and pure. And in God's mind, you're already presented as a pure first fruit. We just don't know how to live it out. Because we haven't ever asked God to do the work inside of us. And this morning, and going forward, I pray that your prayer is simply this. God, transform me by the renewing of my heart, my mind, my emotions, my thoughts. I'm tired of being deceived by thinking that everything that happens to me, I'm a a circumstantial victim or I can't change anything. And then God's going to infuse you with something that you didn't expect a confidence that you can slay demons. (laughs) Take them on without fear. Because you know God has got you. And you belong to Him. 
any place in your life you don't agree with God, there's something in, out of line in you. Does that make sense? That transformed soul is a gift from God. And only He can do it. You cannot make the change yourself. I think I've made that clear today. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word to us. That Your grace and Your mercy extends to us through Jesus Christ. That You've loved us with an everlasting love. And as You have loved us, You've reminded us that we are not alone. That we have been given all things we need through Jesus Christ to live an empowered life. A life of joy. A life of healing. A life of power and authority. And more than that, Heavenly Father, You said if we loved You and loved others the way that You loved us, we would do greater things than Jesus. And that's a promise from You. And You will do it if You will see us doing that part. Loving others. And ourselves. So Heavenly Father, this morning, have Your way with us. Amen.